The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Basketball Society. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Atlantic Files, brought to you by BasketballSocietyOnline.com and the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. As always, you're joined by myself, Alex Fish, by my co-host, Mike Bash. And we have officially wrapped up the year in review series. If you guys missed those, check out the links in the post, uh, in the show notes on our post for this episode. We'll put the links down there for the rest of those uh, year in review series for each team. And today, this week, we are starting off the prediction series. So we're taking a look at each division in the entire league, starting off with the Western Conference. And we're going to predict about the, you know, how the division is going to play out, how each team is going to fare, some some bold predictions, so on and so forth. So without further ado, the first division we are going to get into is the North West Division in the Western Conference, and that is the Nuggets, Blazers, Jazz, Thunder, and T-Wolves. Last season, it finished off in that order that I just said. The Nuggets were first at 54-28. and 28. The Blazers were second at 53 and 29. Utah was third at 50 and 32. Then the Thunder at 49 and 33. And then bringing up the rear with the Timberwolves at 36 and 46. Now, obviously, those top four teams made the playoffs. The Timberwolves did not. But there has been a good amount of movement in this division. There has been teams that are going to sink to the bottom, teams that are going to rise to the top. So, without further ado... I know this is Mike's Mike's team's division, Mike's Denver Nuggets, when he predicted them on this same series last, I think it was last summer, right? Or was it two yeah. summers ago? No, it was last summer. Last summer, predicted that Denver would be the next dynasty at that point. So they were the Mike, two, uh, Weren't they the two seed? I believe they were the two they, seed. They were the two seed, yes. 54 and 28, only behind Golden State, who's 57 and 25. I'm going to pat myself um, on the shoulder for that. <laughs> Hey, definitely deserved. Definitely deserved. I'll give it to you. Um, so, wh- what are your? Uh, let's first look at uh, just like very, very briefly last season. What are your thoughts about last season? How it played out, and then let's start getting into what you think. Uh, well, we'll start with Denver. I mean, and we'll. What do you think about this coming season? Uh, well, so I look at it, and it's like, am I shocked by the standings? No. I, like I said, I expected the Nuggets to win the division. They went out and won the division. The Timberwolves are probably, you know, being in last. It's not crazy. I think last year they finished, or two years ago they finished in last, or one game out of last, but they every team made the playoffs, or four out of five teams made the playoffs. So I'm not, I'm not really shocked by the overall standings. I am shocked by the results, though. I did not expect Minnesota to be 10 games under 500 with Carl Anthony Towns, with Derrick Rose, with Andrew Wiggins. And you know the other pieces that they had, but it was a tough year. They were they were actually a pretty decent home team. They were twenty five and sixteen, but they could not win a game outside of Minneapolis. Eleven and thirty on the road. That's not going to get it done. They gave up one hundred and fourteen points a game. I mean, it, it was just bad. So 
Um, last year, the Timberwolves had a tough year. Uh, the Nuggets had a great year. And the Blazers, Jazz, and Thunder, you knew the three of those teams were going to be in it. You just didn't know what order it was going to be. Uh, I think we both thought the Thunder would be higher with Westbrook and um, Paul George. I think I, I think you were very high on them. I think you had them as like a three seed and even winning the division. I know I had them I as did. like a six seed. So, um, you know, it, it, we expected all the four of those teams to make the playoffs, and they did. That that uh, that being said, um, what do I expect this year? I expect the Nuggets to win the division again. I expect them to win even more than fifty four games. I'm expecting them to probably win fifty seven games this year. Um, I I could see them being the number one seed in the West. They probably will be the two seed Ooh. behind the Clippers, but um, I, I'm really high on the Nuggets. Nikola Jokic, I think he's you know the, be, playing for Team Serbia in the World Cup. Uh, I think that's going to even improve his game even more, get him in better shape as the season comes along. I think you're just gonna Can I just see- say real quick, him and Boban together is great. Yes, I, I love it. Um, <laughs> I do think the Timberwolves will not finish last this year. I think the Thunder will, obviously. No Russell Westbrook, no, uh, no Paul George. They have Chris Paul, but I don't see Chris Paul being a guy that's going to really play for them. So I think right. the Thunder are the easy pick to take last place. Uh, the Nuggets are my pick to take first place, and then you have the the, the Thunder Timberwolves and and uh, Trailblazers. Um, I'm sorry, the Timberwolves, Jazz, and Trailblazers. Right. Um, I think I wouldn't be surprised if it went in that order back to front. So Nuggets, Trailblazers, Jazz, Timberwolves, Thunder. That's my prediction one through five. Uh, I, I think the Thunder will fit, be one of the worst teams in the league this year, probably under 30 wins. Um, okay. What about you? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so uh, just real quick on last season, I also agree that, you know, it kind of played out how we thought. I mean, obviously, I thought the Thunder would finish a little bit higher. Um, the Trailblazers are literally always in the mix, in that middle of the pack mix, where at the end of the season, that where, like, that whole group is, is uh, differentiated by, like, one game. Portland's always in there, um, and, I, like, they're definitely going to continue to be. Um, Utah also, you know, expected them to get there, expected them to be that gritty team, a lot of defense with Donovan Mitchell leading the way. And, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't think that the Timberwolves would be this bad. I believe I did have them missing the playoffs, but I didn't think they would be 10 games under 500. So I agree that that was a, uh, a surprise. Um, obviously at the time, we also didn't know that Jimmy Butler was going to be traded mid season. Um, so that was also, uh, came as a surprise. Uh, they also, you know, switched coaches in the middle of the season. Uh, Tibbs got fired and it went on to Ryan Saunders, I believe, um, son of Flip Saunders. Uh, so they had a lot of moving parts. Uh, they did get a lot of, uh, of good, you know, role players to surround, uh, Wigging, Wiggins and, um, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, like they got, you know, some of my favorite guys like Robert Covington and, uh, they did have Dario Saric, but now he's going to Phoenix, I believe. Um, but yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see what Minnesota turns out to be. I still don't think Minnesota makes the playoffs this coming season. I think they finish right around 500, but I don't think they make the playoffs. Um, I also agree with you that I think the Thunder will be even lower than that. I think the Thunder will be b- below Phoenix this year. 
and Phoenix wow. has been the 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 bottom Whoa. of the Western Conference for a long time. I, I say that, and then I realize Phoenix actually actually has talent. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know. Well, that- that's the thing is like Phoenix has some good players and they just can't they just haven't been able to put it together. Their their coach their head coach uh position has been like a roulette of just, you know, guy after guy after guy. They just haven't found their main stay. Um but they they still added some more talent this offseason. Uh they they got like I said they got Dario Saric who is going to be a big time power forward for them. Uh they still have, you know, uh, uh Booker, they have a uh, Aiton, who has another year under his belt. Macau Bridges was big time for them with uh, his defense, his 3 and D kind of play. Um, they have a lot of guys who are going to be coming into their own. They did get rid of uh, – sorry, before we – we'll get to Phoenix next week when we get into the Pacific Division. Let me, let me not get sidetracked with Phoenix. So, yeah, I think the Thunder will finish below Phoenix this coming season. I think they'll finish with around 24 to 26 wins. Um, if I have to put an exact number on it, I'll, I'll go with the lower and say 24. Um, I also don't think Chris Paul's going to play that much with Oklahoma City. It, his contract is definitely hard to trade, but I think he's one of those guys that'll be one of those like blockbuster trades right at the deadline. Um, so I think he's really not going to play much with them. They also lost guys like Jeremy Grant and stuff who are good role players for them. So not only do you lose your two big superstars, but you lose some of the role players that played important minutes for you. Um, it's really like the team has been shaved down to literally just like, uh, Chris Paul and Steven Adams. Like that's pretty much the whole team because I mean, uh, what's his name? Can't even stay healthy. But he, he also can't even shoot. Uh, Roberson, um, Roberson can't even stay healthy anymore. Uh, they also, I mean, they have other kind of younger guys that you can throw in here and there, but it's not going to be anything all that uh, impressive. Um, uh, they do have Dennis Schroeder, so I mean, he'll he'll definitely get a, a big time up in minutes. The one guy I do like the fact that they they got in return was Gilgis Alexander. I really liked that pickup. I, I expect to see a whole lot of play from Gilgis Alexander, Terrence Ferguson, uh, Hamido Diallo. I, I really expect to see those guys, you know, really get a bump up in playing time, like, drastically. So I think um, that'll be uh, very interesting to see, but I think that'll also be the reason why you'll see them at the, the bottom of the barrel. Um but just real quick, just as a on-the-surface kind of look, I think Utah will finish above Portland this year with the addition of Conley. Um, they only were three games below Portland this past season, so I think the, they'll take that step up. But I also think the Nuggets will still finish first in the division. I have the Nuggets actually right around where you were. I have, I have them with 56 wins, and then I have Utah getting 54 wins, Portland getting 51 wins. So you, when I told you that the Nuggets were going to win fifty-seven games, you gave me a shocking response, and then you basically confirmed what I said. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I finally have us. Uh, um, I finally let my thoughts seep into your head on basketball. All right. So now you agree <laughs> with me. Actually, uh, 
Given the recent um, legal issues, I shouldn't bring up, uh, you know, the fact that I told you Jared Allen and Rodion's Kirooks are better than Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Uh, so we'll put that right. we'll put that to the side for now. <laughs> uh, but okay, let, good. <laughs> but going back to the uh, Northwest Division, yeah, it, it's it's. I think like we 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 could both agree. We we both have the Nuggets on top. We both have the Timberwolves on the bottom. Those other three teams are interchangeable. Like you said, the Jazz and Blazers have gotten better. The Timberwolves, the I think, naturally will be better. But I agree with you. 42 wins, yeah. 43 wins. It's not going to be a playoff team. Unless Wiggins like finally takes a next step in his career. Carl Anthony Towns is a great player. Top five big man in the league. It's the problem of there's no second guy with him that's really stepped up. Exactly. Exactly. And, and the thing with Carl Anthony Towns is also, like, he's not... I always talk about his defense. He's not terrible on defense, but he's also not dominant on defense. So he's not a guy like Anthony Davis who, you know, can add like 20 to 30 wins on his own because he's that much of a superstar. He's still a top five big man, but the defense isn't as dominant as those other like real big time guys. So I just think that, um, like, like you said, Wiggins has, he has to take that step up. Like it's, it's, like it's imperative if they really want to actually get into like playoff contention and be taken seriously as a contender. Um, the yeah, only Wiggins... thing is person. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say Wiggins. You know he's kind of taken a step back the last two years, where he's averaging right. 18 a game. If the if he can get up to 22, 23 a game, give you 22 and five with you know more than a you know he gives you 22 and five with a steal a game. I think that, you know, the, the the Nuggets can be, I'm sorry, the Timberwolves can be a 40, I don't know, 45, 46-win team. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. And the, the big thing with Wiggins is the big thing we talk about with some of these other wing players is he just has to be able to shoot the ball. Yeah. He, he averaged 4.8 three-point attempts a game and only shot 33.9%. Carl yeah. Anthony Towns took almost the same amount per game and shot forty percent. Yeah, that and, just it and, shouldn't be the case. And the thing with Wiggins, and it's kind of funny, he literally his game has literally not progressed since his rookie year. No, in his in his, in his rookie year, he averaged seventeen points, four point six rebounds, two assists a game, one steal, and. And half a ball or point six box a game in his fifth season in the NBA, he went from sixteen point nine as a rookie to eighteen point one, and he averaged point four point eight rebounds, which is point two more. The same one steal a game, point seven blocks, and two and a half assists. And his shooting percentages from his rookie year were thirty one percent from three and forty three percent from two and seventy six percent from the free throw line. And this year. 41% from two, or, or field goal percentage, uh, 33, 34 from three, and 69, 70 from free throw. So it's literally been the same player for the last five years. Yeah, and on top of that, to go with that, I'm looking at uh, the percentage of his field goal attempts by, by distance of the shot, and his two-point attempts, just two-point attempts in general – have gone down he's taken less two-point attempts taken more three-point attempts but has not upgraded his shooting percentages really at all his best shooting percentage was the 2016-17 season when he shot 35.6 percent from three and he was only 
18% of his shots were coming from three at that point. Fast forward to just this past season, tw almost 29% of his shots came from three point, and he shot 33%. So, like, if you're going to really pick up this this shooting and, and like, really attempt the shots, you have to show something for it. Because now, not, like, it's cool. You're taking more shots. Like, I get it. Like, it's how the NBA is. You should be taking more shots. But at the same time, if you're going to take more shots and miss more shots, I would much rather you taking those two-point attempts that are going in rather than these ones that you're missing. Especially because his overall field goal percentage last season was the worst of his career so far. Yeah. And, and he only shot 41% from the floor in total. Yeah, and it's it, it that's why it's frustrating as a uh, to watch a guy like Wiggins is is you you know the talent is in there. We've seen exactly. the, the pure talent. We've seen the athleticism. We've seen the ability, but he just doesn't take the next step. And if he takes the next step, he can be a star player. Oh but, yeah. But it's just, are we ever gonna see it? Wasn't he the one that everyone was calling him Maple Jordan? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Everyone when he came out of when he came out of Kansas, everyone said this is a can't miss prospect. He's the best prospect since LeBron James, um, and 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 you saw it at Kansas. You saw the guy who, he, at one second he was he was dominant, and then one second he was I'm just gonna sit in the corner, get a ball in the zone, and just shoot shoot the ball. Like I'm not gonna do anything, and that's yep. the problem. He's he's what he's an enigma. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know if whoever who's the coach now, the Saunders son, Ryan Saunders. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know Saunders. if Ryan Saunders can get into him. I don't know if Carl Towns can get into him. Obviously, Jimmy Butler didn't get into him. Somebody's got to get into his head and be like, "Listen, you can be way better." And he got paid. He got his max contract, which was, it, it, you know, it's a shame because he didn't deserve it. Um, but right. you know, he got his money, so it, it's up to him. Uh, the Timberwolves franchise, you know, Carl Towns has been great and and he's done everything he could, but it's up to it's up to Andrew Wiggins if they're going to be the take the next step as a team. Yeah, and and the last thing I'll say about um, uh, Wiggins is the fact that you know, like like you said, out coming out of Kansas, he was this can't miss prospect, the guy who's going to be everything. And I remember as a Sixers fan, you know, the lottery going, uh, Sixers got third in that lottery, and I was like, ah, like really wanted Wiggins, whatever. Um, and uh, then, who'd you get that year? Uh, Embiid, Joel Embiid or something. Yeah, I think you guys did all right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, like you look back on it, and it was like Wiggins was the guy who was supposed to be, like you said, the next best thing since LeBron. But you look at the league now; Embiid has surpassed him by only playing two and a half seasons. Yeah, when Wiggins has played five, pretty much full seasons. So yeah and and like we're saying like his field goal percentage has regressed i mean he hasn't improved in any specific thing really it's it's been tough and and the thing was i thought that uh jimmy butler would be something good for him someone to actually be like yo step your game up be a man do it but it, it ended up like almost crushing him even more so uh yeah i mean it's it's tough but Moving on, I want to get your thoughts on Utah, though, because I think they had a great offseason. Um, last year, like we said, they finished 50-32. and 32. Donovan Mitchell, uh, the, the head of the team offensive-wise, Rudy Gobert got another Defensive Player of the Year award. Um, Joe Ingles just, you know, jingling everybody. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
Um, and, you know, they, they played the same exact style of basketball that we're used to, you know, the grind it out, defense first type of basketball. Um, but fast forward to this offseason, they now have gotten rid of Rubio um, and uh, what's his face? The, the punk from Duke, uh, Grayson, Grayson Allen. Allen. Got rid of both of those guys, and now they have Mike Conley. So now you have a, a you know a, a big three of sorts with uh, Conley, Gobert, Donovan Mitchell. They also got former Net Bojan Bogdanovic. Um, There's and... another former Net they brought in. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, uh, oh, they also got Ed Davis. There you go. Um. And then uh, draft-wise, uh, one one guy that I actually saw in person when I covered the Ivy League was Mie Oni from Yale. Um, I think he has the potential to be a very nice uh, player for them, especially, you know, first year as a rotational player. Plays like a shooting guard, small forward type of spot. He's six foot six, really really good length, really good athleticism. Uh, smart player as well. So I think he has the, the chance to really show some, some good stuff there as well. Uh, they finally get Dante Exum back as well. Hopefully he can stay healthy this season. He's had his trouble with injuries. But, um, yeah, what are your thoughts on them going into this season? Yeah, so the Jazz, um, they were kind of a team where it was like, for lack of a better term, their upside was is limited. They, uh, right. you know, they they don't have that star wing player to carry them. I I know, I don't. I like Donovan Mitchell. Don't get me wrong, but part of me also feels like Donovan Mitchell is, in a way, like a slightly better version of um well let me let me reword, reword this uh he's okay. like the 63 version of Andrew Wiggins that has taken like a half step for for lack of like if Andrew Wiggins took a half step but was 6 foot 3 he'd be Donovan Mitchell okay um that doesn't mean i don't think Donovan Mitchell is a good player i think he's a really good player but I don't think he's a guy that could lead a team to a championship. I do like the combination of Gobert, Mitchell, Conley. I think Conley is better for them than Rubio. Conley can run an offense. Conley can make big shots. So can this team get Locked on a run? Down defender and, too. Uh, yeah, great. De- obviously, defense is always going to be big in Utah with Gobert, with Conley. Um, yeah, I, I, can this team make a run in the playoffs? I think so. Um, I think they have a lot of upside on this roster. Emmanuel Mouade is a guy who, like, you know, we've seen it in spurts. Dante Exum is a guy, again, we've seen it in spurts. Um, um, I like the acquisitions of Ed Davis and Jeff Green and and Boyan Bogdanovic. I think those are good veteran pickups, guys that you could lean on in tough situations. Uh, Oh, yeah. Joe Ingles is a guy I like, you know, always hits big shots. I think it comes down, yeah, I think it... I, I'm confident in the Go, Gobert Conley Mitchell trio. I think those guys will be very productive. It comes down to does Exum take the next step? Does Boyan right. work himself into the offense well? Does Muide become more of a like a like a really good? Does he become like a six man or does he just become like a backup point guard that plays like seven minutes? You know right. what? It, or or twelve minutes or whatever it is. So um, I don't know much about Myoni. I know obviously you said you saw him at Yale. Uh, I do. I I see on their roster they have Nigel Williams Goss, but I don't know if he's playing overseas. I don't know what the deal is with him. I do. I did like him in Gonzaga. Justin Wright Foreman was a good player at Hofstra. So 
I think maybe this is a team where if they if they stay pat, they could win 52, 54 games. If they make a move at the deadline, which I don't know salary-wise if they can, you know, um, like last year when the Raptors made a trade for Marcus Gasol. Right, if, right. It, you know, if, if can Utah make a trade for, I don't know, um, you know, who's a veteran wing player? Uh, I don't know, like Harrison Barnes, for example. Like, if they made a move for Harrison Barnes, does that get them over the top? You know, I I don't know. Uh, I think this team is a team that could make a run to the conference semifinals. Um, I don't know if they can get much farther than that. I don't think they'll be better than Denver. But it's it's a team that has some promise. It's a team that should win over 50 games this year. I'm confident confident that they can win 50, 55 games. Yeah. Or I should say 53 to 55 games, not 50, 55. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I think, and and you t- just touched on. I think the biggest thing they're missing is that, um, that dominant wing player. Because I mean, I guess some people would probably qualify Mitchell as a wing because he plays a lot of off ball, plays a lot of shooting guard, um, but he's also very undersized, as you were saying, six foot three. I mean, Mike Conley also isn't tall, so uh, I I think the the one thing they are missing is that dominant wing player. So if they even if it's someone who's not like a, a very very dominant person becomes available at the trade deadline, I think it's it's something you definitely look into because that is something this team could really, really use. Um, and I think the other thing is they're banking on is, you know, the the I don't want to say no name, but like the under the radar players taking a step like Royce O'Neal, who, you know, played some meaningful minutes last season. Royce O'Neal was a name that I kept hearing like in the like in the background noise of everything and, and who contributed some some decent uh, minutes going down the stretch and everything. Um, so I, I think it, it comes up to him and like some of the other rookies they got, like you said, like you touched on uh, Wright Foreman and Nigel Williams Goss. And, you know, they have a couple other rookies on here right now. I don't know if they're, you know, just some training camp additions or what, but uh, it, it's going to come down to if some of those guys can step up as well. So I, I agree with you. I'm definitely confident they're going to be right in the playoff mix yet again. Um, but if they want to make like a real run, then they, they're going to need some bigger contributions. Um, but so that being said, we'll move on to Portland real quick. That Last year, uh, Portland finished 53 and 29. Uh, we, we knew they were going to finish, you know, up there with the, their dynamic duo of, um, uh, Lillard and McCollum. Those guys have been great. Uh, the, the addition of Nurkic has been great for them. Uh, it sucks, really sucks last year that he went down for, with an injury right before, or like right, it was either before or during the playoffs. I forget what it was. Um, and then on top of that, Cantor got hurt. So, you know, their, their playoff run was severely, uh, damaged at that point. Um, they still have some exciting guys that could turn out to be really good, like Anthony Simons. Um, and they do also have Zach Collins, uh, Gary Trent Jr. They just drafted Nasir Little. That was a big draft pick for them. I think that was an amazing selection for them. Um, they still have Rodney Hood. They got Kent Bazemore this year. They now have Hassan Whiteside as well. So how do you see the Blazers finishing up this year? So... I, I, I agree with your uh, Nazir Little. I went on a, a draft show with my cousin. Um, I don't know if you remember that. And I yeah. 
I was saying the whole time that Nazir Little is a top 10 player in this draft, maybe even higher. And the fact that he fell to what, 26, 24, somewhere around there? 28, oh, yeah, maybe? Real low. I, don't, I don't remember where it was, but it was it was low. Um, I'll tell you right now. He fell to 25. Like, yeah. that would blew my mind. I think the guy has an excellent has excellent athleticism, has a developing jump shot, but he's got a great motor, great, like, intangibles, great uh, length, great, you know, physical body. So he, he should be good. Yeah, this is a team. Um, You got the two guards, McCollum and Willard. Now you add Hassan Whiteside, who, like, He's a similar player to Yusef Nurkic, but I know Nurkic had that injury. I don't know how long he'll be out for. Um, right. Could be out until February is what they're saying. So you let Hassan Whiteside do the heavy lifting. It gives more minutes also to guys like Zach Collins, who should step in and be a good backup for them. And then when Nurkic gets back, you have two of the best defensive centers in the league. You have Zach Collins, who could play a little. He's more of an offensive guy. Scott Bissier is a guy who hopefully for them takes a good next step, but... We haven't seen it in three years. He was a highly recruited guy, just never panned out. But I do think that Nasir Little, but when it's all said and done, will be the starting three um, alongside Lillard and McCollum. Let those two guys just score, and Nasir Little will be your lockdown. Take out the guys, the offense, the uh, opposing team's best player. Bazemore is a guy. Uh, Bazemore is, I've People have always liked Bazemore more than I do. He, you know, he's just a veteran guy, but uh, he's good. But he's, yeah. you know, he's nothing special to me. The guy I'm interested He'll be to good see off is, the bench. The, yeah, the guy I'm interested to see is Anthony Simons. Didn't go to college. Came straight out of IMG Academy. Was a first round pick. Um, you know, he was young. He was like 19 years old last year. So I, I think it'll be interesting to see if he develops into something. If he could develop into a backup guard for them. You know, you don't. They don't need a starting guard with the two guards guys that they have. But if they could develop a solid backup behind them, the guy that could score would be like a instant offense kind of guy. They uh they do have Rodney Hood, who I remember I told you was the X factor in the playoffs for him. Obviously he didn't step up enough. And uh Mario Herzonia. So yeah, I see I see a similar season for the Trailblazers. They're another team where it's like, have they reached their upside? Have they reached their pinnacle? Um you know, they won what what they win? Fifty 53 Three, games last year. I could see the same yeah. record. 53 and 29, 54, 28, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Yep, no, I completely agree. I, I like, like I touched on a little bit. I, I think I have them right between fifty-three, fifty-five wins as well. Um, I, I think they'll be a very good team. Um, I think it, it, I think it's going to be interesting because you know there was a lot of times with Miami that Hassan Whiteside was upset because he wasn't getting as much playing time, especially in the playoffs. But it was like, dude, you're not you're not shooting threes, you're not shooting in mid-range, you're not making free throws, and when they faced the Sixers, Embiid was destroying him. When they faced any other team, really, he wasn't really that great on defense either. So, But he was getting upset that he wasn't getting playing time. So if, if it's me, I'm definitely starting Nurkic. So does Hassan Whiteside get upset that he's not starting? Does he get upset if he doesn't get as much playing time? Because Zach Collins also is going to share time at center. So I, I'm curious to see exactly what happens with that. Um, I, I think another guy that I expect to really get into the rotation now is Anthony Simons. Um, you know, he, he showed flashes, and he had that one big-time game last year. I forget. He scored, like, 
20 or 30 or something like uh, something like that last year. I forget exactly what it was. Um, but, uh, oh, 37, that's what it was. He scored 37 last uh, in a game last season. So, um, like, he's a guy that I, I think definitely has, has some serious talent. It's just going to take him a while because he was one of those people that didn't go to college or whatever, tried to come, you know, go overseas then come straight to the NBA so those guys usually take a little bit to grow so um, I think he'll play his way into a rotational spot especially in that guard spot to relieve CJ and Damian Lillard um, but yeah I, I agree with you that I see them literally right around the same the same area they're at now uh, I think that I don't think they've exactly hit their their very top peak but I think they're close and the thing that sucks is that they have a lot of money tied up into guys who are like, eh. Like, they're they're paying Whiteside $27 million next year. He's making the same as C.J. McCollum. Yeah, that's, that's terrible. <laughs> and then the next highest, played, highest paid player after Whiteside is Bazemore with $19 million. And then you have Nurkic at 12 and then it gets to Rodney Hood at $5 mil. So, like... Like I said, they have a lot of money tied up in very eh contracts in Whiteside and Bazemore. Um, obviously, Lillard. I think Lillard definitely deserves that twenty nine million. I think CJ deserves the twenty seven million. But literally, if you if you even took ten mil off of Whiteside and Bazemore each, you have enough for like a very solid wing player that you could have there all the time. So it, it's a uh, like I said, I don't think they exactly hit their peak, but just in terms of cap space, I don't think they can go anywhere unless they make a move, like get rid of white side for somebody, which honestly could still happen at the trade deadline. So I think they're also a team to see if they find out that like Scal, uh, is, is, is good enough. If they find Zach Collins is good enough. Um, you, a guy like Hassan Whiteside could definitely, definitely be expendable at that point. But, um, yeah, I definitely see them finishing in second or around the same record as well. But to finish it all off, your team, Denver Nuggets, the one you have pinpointed as the next dynasty, what you got for them? So last year we kind of saw their coming out party. Uh, they went 54-28, and where the two seed in the West, and I think that was just the, just the breaking of the ice. Um, I, I think that the Nuggets are in for another big year. Um, and part of that, or a big part of that, is because of the guy that they drafted last year, but he didn't play a single game. That is Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter oh, yeah. Jr., yes, he has been injured for all of his NBA career. He was injured for all of his college career, uh, minus two games. But this guy, if he was fully healthy... Would have been the number two pick in the draft when he came out. He wasn't healthy. He had to sit out a year. Took like a red shirt year. This is the year that he's going to play. And I think he is what they were missing. A lot of teams, like we say, are missing that wing scorer. And it's the same thing. This The Nuggets team is set up very similar to the, to the team uh, to Portland. You got the two guards in Jamal Murray and Gary Harris. Obviously, those aren't as good as McCollum and Lillard, but... It's how they're, you know, it's how their offense runs, and you got Yoke, and you got Jokic. Jokic is yep. like Nurkic, just that they were they were together, not just because they're both Eastern European, but you know. Anyway, he's a better form of Nurkic. <laughs> he's a better, better Eastern European than Nurkic. 
And they, yeah. you know, but they got good role <laughs> players. Monte Morris was a really solid backup point guard. Mason Plumley. Um, let me. I should look at this year's roster to make sure he's on the team. He is. Yeah, he is. Um, uh, Will Barton came up came up big for them, but I don't think Will. I think Will Barton is a guy who you put him in as a starter and he gets overexposed. You come you bring him in as a six man, and that's a perfect role for him. Uh, Tory Craig was a good defensive player. I did like the trade for Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant is quietly a very good Agreed. young player, 25 years old. He averaged 13 and five last year. He's a stretch four, um, stretch four shot, 40 percent from three, a 39 percent from three. He's a very good all around player. I like him. Uh, he could play in multiple different lineups. Um, I, but I think I just think that Portland. I'm sorry. I think that Denver's just got a lot of unknowns that are going to really blossom this year. I think, like I said, Porter Jr. is going to have a big year. I think you're going to see some some flashes from Jared Vanderbilt. Um, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, if Juan Hernan Gomez takes another step. Paul Millsap is a solid veteran. He's going to be the, the you know, the vocal leader of that team. Do they have Do they have to go out and make a trade? Yeah. Is there another team where can they, if they can go out and make a trade for, you know, another backup uh, shooting guard or backup center or something, then yeah, that, that that might be the missing piece. But starting wise, you know, if everyone's healthy, you got Murray, you got Harris, you got Porter, you got Millsap, and you got Jokic. And right now, to me, I think that's the best starting five in basketball. Yeah, I mean, they definitely have the uh, this team like is the, the team the... is deep. But that's what the thing. Oh is. yeah. They're not a. They're not a. You know. You, you look at Brooklyn. You look at uh, Philly. You look at uh, um, L.A. The Clippers. You know, a lot of these teams they have some star players, and then they're not like Philly's got star players. But what do they got on the bench? The Clippers are deep because of what they. You know, they didn't really lose anyone. The Nets are kind of deep, but they won't have Durant this year. Uh, but then you look at teams like Golden State. They have Clay and Curry. Oh, Clay's gonna be out for most of the year, but they have Curry and. Draymond and they don't have a bench. Uh, you know, a lot of these teams that build these big time teams don't have a bench. Denver Nuggets are a solid eight, ten, eight to ten deep, and that's what makes them a lot better than a lot of teams in the Western Conference, in my eyes. Yeah. Did you even mention Bol Bol? I did not mention Bol Bol because he probably won't play this year. I'm just saying he's another guy like in the system. Oh, I know. <laughs> Like the fact that they had it, it was—it's just crazy to me that they—they—they they, they got huge wins from guys that fell because of like you know the unknown. Like it was unknown if Michael Porter is really going to come back from this back injury. I mean, it's still unknown. Like we still don't know how well he's going to come back from it. But you know, at their at this point with the roster they have, you can take a risk like that because you don't need him right away. So. You get Michael Porter Jr., which was big time. Now you go to this pass off season, you get down there, and you're like, you're looking at their their centers, and you're like, okay, you know, we have Jokic. Um, we also have, you know, other guys you can put in there like Mason Plumley, uh, Juan Hernan Gomez sometimes played some some center. Um, and and uh, you, I mean, you have Millsap. He's not really playing much center unless it's like real small ball or anything. So what do you do? It's like, oh, Bol Bol's still there. Why not take a risk on Bol Bol being ridiculously good? When because when you saw his clips at Oregon, this guy was 
And this guy was pretty damn good. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's uh, but you know it's it's hell for him. So let me let me oh, ask right. you the let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Who's a better point guard, Ben Simmons or Nikola Jokic? Ben Simmons. Chill, chill, chill. <laughs> chill. Nikola I mean, Jokic is seven feet whatever. And it is a center, and he averages seven and a half assists a game. Oh, don't get me wrong. Jokic's passing ability and his uh, his court vision is insane. The fact and that he can shoot. I, I and he can shoot. That's right. I, I I agree. Like Nikola definitely has the whole package. I think his biggest thing is is uh, just the defensive side of the ball. Not saying he's awful. Um, but that's definitely the only hole to his game. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. This guy can this guy can pass the damn ball. Jokic is a great, uh, uh, you know, a great distributor and a great playmaker on top of what he can already do. And this just goes back to Denver being like I don't think Denver gets enough credit for how good they are at drafting. They got Jokic in the second round with the 41st overall pick. Like, all these guys that they're getting that are uh, either projected to be amazing or not projected but turn out amazing are all, like, very late picks. Like, who was their last guy that was, like, a, a, a top 10 pick? Jamal Murray. Was it Jamal Murray? I think. Let me I see. Th- what, what? I think it had to be Murray. I think Murray went, like, 7th. Yep, yep. It says he went seventh in twenty sixteen, but so before him, I think their their other top ten pick was like Carmelo. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, there's none of them on the roster right now. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean that that would be going back pretty far, but like all of the a lot of these guys who are who are big time contributors, um, weren't even like lottery picks. Yeah, Gary and, and Harris look, was picked nineteenth. Yeah, and you look at a guy like Tory Craig, who was a really good defensive player for him. I don't know how much you know. You follow Tory. Obviously, I watch Nuggets a lot more. Like Tory Craig right. went undrafted. Um, they, you know, Isaiah Thomas was injured. And he didn't do anything for them, but you know, he could have been a guy for them. They, yeah, they, they. It's that's what having depth does. You Will, don't. Will put, Barton. Will Barton was picked fortieth overall. You don't put the pressure on one guy. And you don't make you let your guys develop naturally, and that's what happens. Exactly. I mean, it's it's just crazy. And they also have uh, one guy I think that also has potential to be a contributor is PJ Dozier. I mean, he's someone who hasn't really gotten all that much, uh, you know, much a run yet. But I think he could. He has the the chance to be a contributor. Um, I mean, obviously, that's a little bit of a long shot, especially because with how deep this team is, I don't know how much playing time he's really going to get. But um, th- there's some names on this roster that, like, I haven't seen play all that much, but feel like they probably could still contribute, like Jared Vanderbilt. I I'd never saw him play. But looking at his stats, he played four minutes a game and still had one one and a half points, one and a half rebounds, and almost, uh, like, a steal a game. In 17 games and only playing four minutes. So, like, they just have a really good system going on in Denver, and the the front office has been really landing some big-time gems. 
Yeah, because even even like a guy like Jeremy Grant, I remember when the Sixers picked him, he was in the second round. Like this team is built off of lower pick players, which is cool. yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no. It's it, it shows the scouting. It shows the this the uh, the ability to find talent and not just rely on top draft picks. And and that's how you naturally want to build a team. You don't want to build a team just tanking like the Sixers. You want to build a team with good scouting, with good picks, good with good chemistry, good coaching. <laughs> No, I, you know, the, the the way that the Sixers built their team is maybe the most um, despicable way to build a team in professional sports. I mean, yeah, it's definitely not fun. Like, the, the, <laughs> i rather see the Sixers get the death penalty as, as an NBA franchise. Whoa now, whoa now. I'm just kidding, Wait, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> my, my thing is... Uh, all right, th- th- this could go into a, a, a very uh, different ar- array of ways, but I just want to say real quick, my thing is you still, it, like, yes, those three, four years were really awful, like, just to watch basketball when the Sixers were on the TV, um, but you still have teams like the Knicks who have been, like, a joke for almost a whole decade, and, like, you still have... um uh, uh, people like, you know, Orlando and Minnesota who even got their big guys or had big guys, whatever, and missed the playoffs for double digit seasons. Like they had Minnesota had Kevin Love putting up 20 and 20 and missed the playoffs every single season he was there. Like, so at the same time, it sucks for those three, four seasons, but now they're there. So. But I still do agree that it really sucks when they when they're in those seasons. So, I mean, you, it's a give and take kind of thing, I guess. No, I understand. Um, but hey, we'll see what we'll see what happens. Um, I'm I'm against tanking, so hopefully out of this division we don't see the Thunder tank. But we'll see what. At the end of the day, it uh the NBA will always surprise you. So, kind of like the NFL in a way. So. It'll be interesting to see how things play out. Yep, it definitely will. And just to wrap things up, we pretty much have the same order. We have Nuggets, Blazers, Jazz, Timberwolves, then the Thunder. So we're pretty much in agreement with this division, and that doesn't really happen often. So um, at least we uh, we have this one in agreement. But that's it for us, everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Atlantic Files. Make sure you check out basketballsocietyonline.com. A lot of great articles, a lot of great other podcasts on there as well. We are also on Spotify, so make sure you go to Spotify, search The Atlantic Files, and hit that follow button and get them directly to your phone. Whatever you use to listen to podcasts, we're also on everything else. So uh, just look out for us. Subscribe. Tell a friend about it if you really like it. That will you know really help us out. Also, make sure you check out the other podcasts on the Underdogs Sports Podcast Network. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you guys next week. Peace.